Hello and welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. I am Dr. Squee and this is my show. I am so excited this week. Uh, there's a few reasons for that. First of all, we've got a wonderful show for you. We've got the Outrageous Liars this week. So we're doing a little bit of a break from our usual interview format to bring you a panel show which I took part in. Now, uh, like as anyone who's been paying attention will know, We've been doing interviews from Squeefest, uh, the 24-hour podcast event, which I did. And we've been bringing you interviews from that for the show. And uh, this week, I'm going to bring you one of the games we played as part of it. So uh, we had loads of interviews. We had a few other podcasts coming on. And we did some panel shows, some of which already existed, some of which we made up for the event. This one had taken place live at a few events. So the Outrageous Liars had uh, performed as part of Sci-Fi in the Sky was the first time I uh, you know, came aware, became aware of the show. And Sci-Fi in the Sky was the online version of the Sci-Fi Weekender event, which they hold every year. And uh, in these covid times to make sure we still got a, a bit of that uh, Sci-Fi Weekender fix, they did an online one, which was Sci-Fi in the Sky, uh, which I did an interview for which was featured earlier on in the show with uh, Dacre Stoker, one of our early episodes. But uh, th they've done this this little panel show. So basically you get uh, four improvisers who come on and we make up stuff on the spot based on a prompt which we're given. So we're told about an adventure which we've had and then we have to talk about that adventure. And um, Oh, sorry. Sorry, I said we made up. Of course, everything we talk about in here is 100% true. Uh, but look, I'll let our host ed fortune described that in a minute but why else am i excited this week uh first of all actually I, d I did want to really quickly just say thank you to everyone who reached out and sent their support and love uh for our friend fiangwin who died uh just just over a week ago now and we put up a, a special episode of the double squeeze show actually sorry i think it's it's nearly two weeks she passed away now uh anyway the point is uh last week i put up an interview which i conducted with her years ago and uh, it was really great to share that. And uh, thank you very much for everyone being wonderful. But I'm excited this week because I am going to be going on the radio. So the Dog the Squee Show, as well as being a podcast, I mentioned this a bit before, it's now going to be a radio show. So the way it's going to work is we're still going to do these interviews. We're still going to do this podcast every week. Except the podcast might grow a bit. We're certainly going to have the interviews every week. But we might feature little uh, bits, uh, segments from the radio show as well. We're going to work that out as we go ahead, but every Thursday night, BST, uh, British Um Time, we're going to have uh, from 9 until 11 in the evening on a Thursday, this is going to be a radio show. We're going to have the interview segment is going to be the second half of the show, but the first half is going to be live radio, and then I'll play in the interview which I conducted in advance. This week, because it's the first ever show, we're going to do a very special uh, all-live edition with my friend Colm Sanson-Regan, who's an actor, he's a, a singer, a writer, an author, and uh, we had an absolutely wonderful, we're going to have a wonderful time talking. We talked uh, for uh, Squeefest, and I'm probably going to put out the podcast of me talking to him and some other writers in the panel we did for Squeefest, along with the interview, which I'm going to do live with him uh, for for the new Dr. Squee Show radio show. That is, that's going to be so cool. Uh, I had a podcast before which already recorded in advance, then went out on the radio later. But I've never done live radio in this way, so uh, that's very exciting to me. 
Now you're wondering, of course, where, where can you hear this? It's on the new radio station, The Bear. So my friend Al Galpin has put together a radio station. The radio station is going to be brand new and we're going to be a brand new show on it. Even though we've been going for a little while as an interview show, it's going to be a new form of the Dr. Squeeze show. The first hour is going to be live chat, live music. We're going to have questions for you guys to, to write in about. And it's going to be so exciting. Where can you listen? You can go online at thebear.live, first of all. You can download the app. Uh, the Bear is an Android app. Or if you want to listen on your iOS device, you go to um, Get Me Radio app. You download that. Or you can use Alexa and so many other ways of, of listening to it. Uh, add us on your Sonus as well. This information in front of me tells me. I, I don't know what your Sonus is, but if you've got one, add us, please. And make sure you listen. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it, but I need an audience. I'm so used to having someone to talk to. I might cheat a little bit and have maybe my fiance. And Nicola in for some of the episodes to talk to me so I've got someone to talk to because I'm not used to just talking to myself I, I have done podcasts where I've done that before very rarely I can just about get away with it like I am with this intro but it would be so much more fun if I had someone to bounce off uh, through the form of listeners writing in so there is that and uh, yeah, just really enjoy this week's show I think it's something cool and something different I did want to very quickly before we go ahead just give a shout out to um, the fact that it was Veterans Day in America and uh, here in the UK Memorial Day the 11th of uh, November and I always like to just send out a thought to my dad who passed away on that day um, 13 years ago uh, still miss him but you know uh, it's a little easier now after all these years and as uh, fate would have it it was also the first date which I had with Nicola was three years ago on the 11th uh, it's 14th as we record it so the same week uh, so a day of very mixed feelings for me but a day where I just certainly want to put a lot of love and respect down into the world uh, for, for what that day means in so many very complicated ways to me uh, but that's about it look enjoy this week's show uh, as I say the outrageous liars Ed will tell you more about what that involves just in a second. As I said before, this episode was recorded as part of Squeefest, and Squeefest was sponsored by StreamYard. If you go to StreamYard.com, it is there for all your streaming needs. It is such a wonderful plug-and-play way of uh, streaming your event out, or you know, your podcast, or whatever you're doing out to the world. You can stream to multiple platforms if you pay for the uh paid for version of it which is very reasonably priced there's a few different tiers you can choose or you can go for the free version test it out see how you like it and then pay for the other version if you like it um which you will do i used a few different streaming services and i can never really get the hang of it they they were great for more experienced people but people like myself who just want something plug and play Streamyard is wonderful has some wonderful features you can put your own branding on it you can make little videos to introduce your show and uh it's just really worth checking out. So uh, StreamYard.com, wonderful service. And thank you to them for giving us access to their premier version or premium version of their uh, software for Squeefest. Uh, it's so nice and generous of them. And you, you want to get hold of it. It's, it's a great service. Like I, I know, like uh, there, I have no obligation to be mentioning this right now. They did give me a free version and we mentioned it on uh, Squeefest, but I just really believe in the software. I use it for all my interviews online and it meant meant I can stream out to Twitch and to Facebook and we got as many years as possible on Squeefest um which was done in, in support of the NHS. By the way you can still donate if you choose to just giving dot com slash squeefest and all the money goes towards the NHS. 
but uh, please enjoy Outrageous Lies. Welcome to the show with your friend and mine. So tell me, Dr. Squee, who's it gonna be this time? We like to hear you talk, and we love to hear you listen. And if you are not subscribed, you won't know what you're missing. So welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. Welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. Welcome to the Dr. Squee Show. Tonight, Squee welcomes the Outrageous Lions. And now here's the man himself, Dr. Squee. Now we go straight over to Outrageous Lions. Ed Fortune, how are you, sir? Hello, hello, how's it going? Very well. Uh, I'm just uh, keeping on going through uh, this 24-hour marathon. I'm just being fed water, thankfully, by my fiance, who's just going to top me up. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm doing okay. We're, we're five hours in now. I've been catching the stream as we've been going forward, and uh, you've been doing very well so far. 19 you, more sir. hours shall to we, go. Shall we add the players? Oh, yes, please. Okay, let's have some players on the stream. Some which have their cameras on. Hopefully. Hey, there everyone is. Hello, everyone. Hi. So, for anyone who has no idea what this is, this is Outrageous Liars. Uh, I have gathered together a crack team of adventurers um, who have who have amazing stories to tell. Uh, each each tale that you're about to hear is a hundred percent true. Uh, there's there's not a single lie told. The title itself, of course, is a lie. Um, and when they finish telling you their stories, they're going to confirm to an extra point by confirming that the tale is absolutely true in their own inimical style. Now, this in the traditional British style is a panel show, uh, which is a show, as we know, that's played on furniture. So um, the aim of the game is for the players to tell uh, the absolute truth from a prompt. We have exchanged many stories, being gentlemen and uh, being adventurers of all different places. I've completely lost the thread already and I've already started. <laughs> we are all adventurers and we have all had amazing adventures and I want you to regale the people watching of their tales. I'm going to prompt each one of these amazing people for a story. They have three minutes to tell their story, which they will do skillfully. Anyone else amongst our circle can interrupt by addressing me directly. I am Ed. I can be Ed, Mr. Fortune, the host, or you whatever catches my attention um and they will uh, of course uh, query the story itself if they interrupt they get a point um if the interruption is uh, taken then the storyteller also gets a point providing that it's incorporated in the story i may remove and add points on my own discretion and at my own whim that's because i am the host each one of you ha should have the buzzer, and I'm going to ask you to use your buzzer also by way of introduction. So I think we'll start with uh, Dr. Squee. Tell us uh, who you are and how you've come to this, this panel of adventurers. Well, I was hoping I'd get to talk finally after being quiet all day. Uh, so I am Dr. Squee. I have been brought forth for this adventure by knowing Ed and suggesting that we do this game because I needed to fill up 24 hours and this seemed like a good way of doing it. 
And that's my buzzer. Sure. Hi, uh, my name's Sean. Uh, I'm an improviser, a comic book writer now, but that's not out until next year. Uh, and I've not finished the first issue yet, but it still counts. And general uh, raconteur and uh, burgeoning alcoholic. And this is this is my... I don't know if you can hear it, but it sounds good here. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> Dan. Yes, uh, I am uh, Dan Brazier of uh, Spider Dan and the Secret Balls podcast. Uh, much like Sean, bit of a raconteur, bit of a, a jack of all trades, if you will. And I've gone for a very, very religious buzzer. Don't know if you can hear that. No, that's an advert. Apologies. <laughs> Just seems to pop up. Uh, Your buzzer's advertising. That's going to be my buzzer. Yeah. So, uh, so there you go. As long as the adverts don't play, we're all good. Um, Del. Hello, um, I'm Del. I'm a performer, writer. I, I'm part of the Brave New Words podcast as well, which is what I spend a lot of time with Ed doing. Um, and I've done other performances with Truly Outrageous, who Brave New Words kind of sits under as well. I, and this is completely true, 100% remembered that I was supposed to have a buzzer noise and didn't just have to panically look around me for things that make noise. Um, and there's some gym equipment down here. And I was like, oh, what would be brilliant is, is if I'd thought of that and could bang them together, but they're rubber, so don't make noise. So the idea I had all along for weeks now when we've been organizing this um is these gym shoes that i'm just gonna smack together when when it's it i i want to interject a traditional way of interrupting uh, during this panel so now yeah. i'm gonna deploy the super high tech who gets to go first system that involves me looking through my super high tech notes and also my super you know I'm saying this in a kind of ironic way, but I'm actually stood in front of a computer on an internet system and a mass communication system. So what I'm saying it's super high tech, it's super high tech. It really is genuinely just super high tech. I'm I'm just kind of trying to make it into a gag that when you stop and think about it for a moment, Sean, Me. please. The girl, I mean, we've heard this many times before, of course, yeah. but um, we never tire of hearing it. Sean, tell us about the time that you joined the Avengers. Well, this this is a funny story because it was a bit of a mix-up, really, because um, I thought it was like the Steed and Peel Avengers because, you know, I, I quite like a nice suit, uh, a cat suit, mostly. Uh, and I thought, you know, that would be really good. I could be a spy. Um, but, it, no, it turned out it was for, for, for the Avengers, the, the superheroes. And, and you should, you should you should have seen my face when I when I turned up, you know, with a bowler hat and an umbrella and a, and a suit, and uh, and then Iron Man is standing there. And he's like, w "What are you doing? Uh, you you need to to go and punch that that aim guy in the face." And I was like, "Well, I felt awful, really, because I I didn't understand the context of what was going on, but um, you know, I did it because." You know, when Iron Man tells you to do a thing, you you do the thing, um, and and it's great because at this point, you know, really, pretty much everyone has been an Avenger at this point. You know, um, 
there's very few, certainly Marvel superheroes who haven't been Avengers. So it's great to really join Earth's mightiest heroes. And Sean gets an additional point for going afterwards. Ed, um, Sean's forgotten to tell us about the bit where it turned out his umbrella was actually just an umbrella. Yes, Sean, tell us about the time that your umbrella was actually just an umbrella. Yes, well, here's the thing. So I, I was pointing my umbrella at this aim guy and saying, hey, this is a, looks like an umbrella, but really it's a gun. Um, and then I accidentally pressed the button um, and, and it was just an umbrella. But unfortunately, we were... We were inside, so I've had several years of bad luck afterwards because you know, because that is that is a, a bad Ed, luck thing to do. Ed, um, I feel like um, Sean may have forgotten to mention that while he was failing to shoot, I don't know if that's my mom, Dan came in as a supervillain and chopped off uh, uh, the Hulk's arm and made it into a mug. Oh yes, Dan, Sean, tell us about the the time that Don Dan made himself a. A novelty mug that I believe he still uses to this day. Uh, I believe that's part yeah. of your Avengers experience. Also, Sean, tell us about the time that you completely froze um, during the Twitch stream. Oh no! <laughs> Nothing. I find that's one of my superpowers. I'm able to freeze people in conversation. I, I believe you have been into a weird, by... swirly little white line. I believe, I believe, yes, Dan has used his superpower, which is because you're an agent of aim, as I understand it, yeah. uh, to freeze time. Um, Sean, we were just talking about the time that um, you were witness to uh, the Hulk losing a hand. Uh, yes, well, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's funny because I actually covered all of that whilst you couldn't hear what I was saying. So it, it, it does feel like, I mean, I'll tell it again anyway, but. Um, I, Basically, I uh, was uh, messing about in Tony Stark's lab. There was a laser and accidents happen. They do. They do. It was, you know, I, I didn't know not to sit there on the desk. But, you know, it was... a. Basic. I, I do feel bad about it. I do. I do. I do feel bad. Thirty seconds left. But um, you know, um, it was all kind of forgiven. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm not in the Avengers anymore because of it. Um, that 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 was a shame, really, because um, I was about to get my uh, first monthly comic. Oh. Ed, um. Should Sean tell us about the spin-off that came from that, though, where um, Natasha became his new Tara slash Emma? Uh, well, I, I could tell people about that, but that seemed like a very specific kind of... Uh, now, people don't want to know those details because they'll just be pretty jealous. Uh, <laughs> just the things that we got up to um the, as, as as a gentleman uh i can't possibly divulge um Ed, Ed, he, i think rather divulge how he ended up uh dumping natasha because he thought he could do better sean please tell us more about your superhero sex life yeah well <laughs> this this was uh i admit 
uh, a moment of hubris. Uh, I thought I could do better than Natasha. Um, I'm afraid you're out of time. But, you know, <laughs> that's what she oh. said. Sean, being the only person who scored so far, well, um, yeah. that's exactly what we were talking about. Um, so, yes. What? Uh, I... <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. Uh, I've forgotten who I am. I'm, so, I'm surprised you do, Sean, being that she's a black widow. Yeah, I, I mean, I have been very careful since. Like, <laughs> she, she holds a grudge. Um, but, yeah. Just, just, just Mary Jane Watson came in the room. She, she was single at the time. It was after her marriage didn't exist anymore, and it was. I just got a thing for redheads. And uh, Sean is uh, currently in the lead with a score that resembles Avogadro's constant. Um, and now it's time to pick using the super advanced system our next uh, contestant, which is Adele. Uh, Adele, please tell us about the time that you became ruler of all of the honeybees. Oh, so. My hometown back in Somerset is very close to a little village called Mel's and Mel's every Easter Monday has a daffodil fair, which you go to, everyone goes to the whole surrounding area. And I used to use this as an opportunity to wear like my most favorite new outfits. And my mum had bought me, I was maybe 11, 12. My mum had bought me this really cute little culotte play suit that was black with um, little like white dots all over it. And I had like yellow blonde hair at the time. And there was this man selling uh, beeswax candles and just like natural honey products because it's Somerset and that's the sort of thing that everybody enjoys. Um, but he had a hive with him and it had this glass affair on top. So you could watch the bees doing what the bees do and then understand where your beeswax that you got in your product had come from. But he was like, oh, if you look hard enough, one of the bees has got a little white dot on it. And that's the queen. And I was like, oh. For, being so, there for a minute without being interrupted, except by me. So I was just like, I will 100% find this queen. So I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking and they're everywhere and they're buzzing. And it's like a big, scary, where's Wally? Um, but I found it and I was just like, oh, there's the... There's the I believe Dale's missing out a very crucial very crucial factor in the story that the the man the beehive man was actually wearing a very sophisticated disguise he was um at the time we all thought he was a giant bee i'm really sorry i completely forgot to include that bit um but it turned out that actually we were all a bit scared of this giant bee because of some local crime that had been going on but these group of teenagers and a dog turned up um, and actually, it was just the beeswax man the whole time. They took his mask off and he'd been the one that had been like tearing down and, and like, uh, yeah, like causing issues in the local area um, and causing some buzz in order to get more people along to the Daffodil Fair. Yes, Dr. Squid. Wasn't it about this time that Dell realised she had the ability to make honey herself? Well, tell us about the, your, your uh, amazing honey-producing powers, please. So, when the bees 
noticed that I'd found the queen and that I was also a person, but covered in lots of white spots, they were like, well, our queen's got one white spot. You've got loads of white spots. Clearly you're our new queen. And they were following me around. And that was literally the rest of my life for a year was all these bees everywhere. But it turned out that spending a lot of time with bees does give you certain bee qualities, including a really, when, when it first happens, terrifying experience of realising that you produce honey. Um, it's like a weird form of Midas touch. So you have to be very careful. But luckily for me, mine was specifically uh, this weird little pad of my thumb. Ed, uh, I think Dale is leaving out. I mean, she's certainly telling us about the positive sides, and it all sounds uh, very good. But she has left out the bit where she accidentally inspired uh, the movie The Swarm. Well, okay, so unfortunately, yes, not all lovey-dovey and wonderful, because it turns out that constantly being surrounded by bees means that when you're at school, other kids aren't as happy and parents complain. Um, and we used to do rugby at my school and this unfortunate girl in my class tackled me and the bees were really unhappy about it. Not because I squashed any, they all are very clever, they got out of the way, but they saw it as an attack and a front and thought that the person tackling me was challenging for power of the hive, um, of which my house now was. Um, and that was a bit of a concern, but luckily the person in question was not allergic to bees and I was able to stop them from stinging her. They mainly just caused a lot of fear because lots of bees in your general area um, and it made the local news. Um, but unfortunately from the local news, um, it then made slightly larger news and other people saw that and uh, got involved. Ed, uh, I'm just uh, wondering if she was gonna bring up the fact that then as a revenge killing, she did with her bee-like abilities, sting that child to death. Girl, tell us about the hideous crimes you committed as a, a brother of all bees. Well, I was hoping all. after 20 years that that, would, that wouldn't have, have come up and I'd have got away with that. But, but I didn't realise that Dr. Squee was, uh, was witness to this event. Um, but yeah, un unfortunately, the bee anger did infect me somewhat. And um, ap apparently I, I, just, I just plain murdered this girl. That alarm is, of course, uh, which you may not be able to hear, uh, that alarm, of course, is not the Rosas, but is, in fact, uh, the fact that this uh, particular piece has ended. Um, thank you very much. You um, are welcome. <laughs> and uh, bonus points for uh, getting through that, I mean, that amazing and entirely true story, of course, um, whilst the... Uh, the uh, Alarm klaxon was going off. So, and I oh no, Sean is still with us for a moment there. I thought the freezeway had uh, activated again. No, um, I was just interested in what you were saying and paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I mean that never happens, and I suspect that's the only lie that's happened so far in this stream. However, Dan, Dan. Yes. Can you tell us about the time that you juggled a goose, a monk, and Brian Blessed, please? Uh, regale, we've heard the story before, but could you regale uh, all those, the, the, the many thousands? Of course, yes. Yeah, it's it's all a favourite of mine. One of my favourite anecdotes. 
Um, I just, it's, it's, it's a strange story. So I was at, I found myself at a comic book sci-fi convention, um, kind of just doing the rounds. And I thought of all the people I should meet while I'm there, it has to be Brian Blessed, of course. And you could hear him from miles around as this huge <laughs> convention center, you know, belting his foghorn mouth, you know, he's this excellent projection, hey, excellent screen. projection as an actor. I believe trained. it did assist Dan in hearing him, the fact that he was uh, snuck backstage and was outside the toilet while he was using it. Indeed, tell us about the uh, uh, the uh, impressive omissions of Mr. Best Blessed. Well, um, he was having it. some difficulty um, uh, kind of moving his bowel. Um, he was, you know, he's he's a big man. He likes to, he's a, he enjoys his food. I think I can say that without offending him. Um, he's a lovely, lovely man, but he does have to relieve that pressure at both ends. So vocally and anally. Um, so that's how he started. And he said that the only thing that relaxes him, I mean, I, I was in there, I, I kind of, you know, I saw him leave the table. I was like, you know, I've got to, I've got to meet him, even if it's in the lavatory, I must meet Brian Blessed. Uh, so I went in and he went, you know, hello, good fellow. Could I trouble you from this cube? You know, I was like, of course, Mr. Brian Blessed, whatever you want. Um, and he said, the only thing that will relax me is a goose. Um, strange request, but it's Brian Blessed. He's eccentric. Um, sure, so I, I thought, believe you're I'll firing your gotta find a goose. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, what Dan has, because I know he's a bit embarrassed about it, but you have missed out the bit where you asked Brian Blessed because you're in the in the in the toilet. You asked Brian Blessed to sign something. Yes, tell us about your uh, unusual. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, I'll be honest. I I was in cosplay while I was there. Um, not not your usual kind of cosplay, but I went as Friar Tuck of Robin Hood fame. Um, so I was dressed in the kind of the monkish garb. Um, and I always thought Brian Blessed would have made an excellent Friar Took, if you know, but he obviously he was, uh, you know, he was in the to thieves, he played other parts, it's fine. However, I, I, I didn't think I had on me, so I was like, Ed, I'm sorry, yeah. you're not feeling very well. No, just Ed, I'm really sorry, but I think Dan's missed out the part of the story where his Friar Tuck costume arrived and it was for a nine year old boy. Oh yes, tell us tell us about the uh, sizing issues that you had there, Dan. I mean, it, it was. What can I say? We're all getting a bit older, you know. Things fill out in areas of your body. Just it's just natural. It happens. Um, there was a bit of a confusion. Um, you know, I I didn't see it said child size, um, but I was committed. I you know I commit to my cosplay. Uh, I become the character I envision myself as a monk, you know, in Robin Hood's Merry Men. I become that character, and I just went with it. And yes, it, uh, there were some unsightly bulges, I will admit, but hey ho, I've seen more you know inappropriate cosplay than that. So I thought I'll get away with it. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but yes, 
Brian Blessed on the toilet. Me trying to find a. I did manage to find a goo. It's holiday park that we were at. So I I just grabbed this goose, and and then I I ran. You know I looked. I must have looked crazy in this tiny monk outfit, running towards the lavatory, screaming, "Brian, I've got your goose!" And and he was so pleased that so relaxed he managed to. To void his bowels, finally, after all this effort, he was so happy. He's not sure. only signed my tiny, tiny outfit, but his inhuman strength, right. he was able to lift me sure. and the you goose in the air and um, rotate us in a Ed, motion. Um, Ed, I think what Dan uh, is missing out, potentially because he's aware that, you know, people don't want to know about animal cruelty, but... But I believe Brian stripped uh, all the feathers off the goose and made Dan his own uh, wing costume from Flash Gordon. I, 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 I've heard that story as well, and it's an amazing one. Yeah. Please, Dan, tell us more about your, your, your wings and the uh, naked goose. I mean, I, I told him how much I loved Flash Gordon. Obviously, he's like, Gordon's alive! You know, this whole thing. He loved it. Um, he was so pleased. You know, again, he's he's, ve he's he's almost like a medieval man himself. He likes to hunt, cook, skin, you know, you name it. He's very into, he's very he's very hands-on kind of man-man. And and he felt, you know, again, he was relaxed by the goose. But also, after avoiding his bounds, he was very hungry. <laughs> So he felt that he the goose. Um, it gets you extra points, even though it's a very short klaxon. So we let that klaxon run for a bit longer. There we go. Thank klaxon works, Thank you very much, Dan. And um, can you confirm that that's 100% true? My pleasure. Excellent. 100%. Uh, Ian, we've given your uh, your uh, telephoning voice uh, enough of a rest now. Uh, I'm afraid that it is again your turn. So, um, Ian, Dr. Scree, tell us about the time that you accidentally became the captain of the Starship Enterprise. Yeah, I mean, this was a, a temporal work experience placement. So uh, I've been sent to the future. I thought it was going to be all glamour in the um, in Starfleet, and uh, I got assigned to paint K seven space station. So I was there painting it one day, and uh, like I got off work, I went down the local bar, and we're having a few drinks. Uh, a lovely couple of Orion slave girls, which they identify as, please, it's nothing sexist. And suddenly, a guy comes in and. Okay, I may have told these girls that I was James T. Kirk. I want to impress them. Suddenly, a guy comes in with a set of keys and goes, has anyone parked the Starship Enterprise outside? Because uh, you parked in a non-parking zone? Of course, I didn't want to disappoint the ladies. I didn't want them to think I'd been lying. So, of course, I went along with a go. Um, yeah, James T. Kirk Dan, here. you appear to have an interruption? Or maybe not. Sorry, carry on, Dr. So, uh, me? Let's carry on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, so I grab the keys and, like, I'm walking to the thing. I think I'll get to the uh, airlock and I'll quickly turn around without anyone noticing. 
but the guy goes um so okay you're gonna move and i go well actually the thing is and he goes look if you're impersonating james t kirk we've had a lot of this shenanigans before we will find you so i'm like i'm not gonna like risk a fine so i buff it out i walk under the bridge going a minute without being interrupted and, and there i come face to face with spock he doesn't look happy he's going you're not you're not the captain where is he and it turns out the captain has been in some sort of transport malfunction and isn't available to come back so so spock just says look you're gonna have to wing it so so i take it out in space so i go um, uh, that'll work right yes Dan. yes um i believe that the dr squee has forgotten that during this whole interaction that that uh the the as Vulcan law, as we know Vulcan law, uh, there is the the seasonal ponfar. Um, so that's when the Vulcans go into their very hyped up mating period. They become in heat, and all and the Spock himself had found himself attracted to Doctor Squee at this precise moment. Yes, please, uh, Doctor Squee, tell us about the complications caused by. I believe the scientific term is a Vulcan sexy time. <laughs> well, of course, I would just be very thankful uh, because I'd been in the bar to to pull someone, and you know, I, I hadn't had any luck with the Orion slave girls. So Spock was there. It it was a very tender moment between us, and it would have been great. It would have been tender, sweet time between uh, a Spock, a, a, a Vulcan, and a human. It would have been lovely and romantic, like you know, the sun started cresting over the view screen. Unfortunately, when I said let's go that away, that was Klingon territory. And the Klingons did not look happy. You should have seen uh, Karg when he was on the view screen. I was trying to explain. This was a total misunderstanding. And I was just in the bar to pull. It didn't help Spock there still trying to hump my leg as I was saying this. Oh, the Klingons weren't having any truck with this. That's when the battle started. So uh, I've just become captain of the, the, the Starship Enterprise. Years in my own personal future. And here I am in a battle with the Klingons. It's a story as old as time. So, Scotty goes. Uh, okay. Ed, yeah. I think Dr. Squee has potentially forgotten about the mix-up of communication amongst all of this, where Starfleet thought that the problem was that the Klingons were homophobic and the Klingons were trying to be like, whoa, 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 that wasn't the problem, never been the problem, and uh, the massive issue that, that came from that. Oh, tell me about it. Geez, suddenly now I've got Starfleet on the line going, right, you've got homophobic Klingons. The Klingons, they're going, but but my husband, he's right here. And then they think he's just doing that for show, suddenly. Like, you know, they're warriors. They're, they're, they're men together in all all senses on the battlefield. They'll, they'll mate and fight. I'll clean that up as I go. But uh, meanwhile, Spock's humping my leg. I'm trying to speak to the Admiral, who isn't happy, happy. Uh, the Admiral, like, uh, is, is declaring war. Uh, I've got Scotty on the phone. Sure. I mean, this this is all pretty bad. And, and is, but you've also missed out the trouble you had with Tribbles. Yes, tell us oh, about the, the trouble with Tribbles. God, you can make an episode about this. As I say, I've just been at K Station. Where do the where do the Tribbles start? K Seven. Uh, Serrano de Bergerac or whatever he was called is there with like he's he smuggled a triple on board he's given it to Uhura so meanwhile let's just um summate what's happening here Spock humping my leg Klingons on the view screen trying to justify his lost love to his husband the admiral on the uh on the communicator saying that he's worried that this is an inter interstellar uh, homophobic attack 
I've got Scotty on the line saying that a, a, a torpedo's just hit. And meanwhile, out of the vents come the bloody trebles on my head. Oh, before I know, I'm knee deep. Sorry? 30 seconds left. Oh, and uh, so, sister mate, what I do is I quickly, I beam the tribbles. Now, you won't be expecting this. I beam them over to the Admiral to shut them up. So the Admiral can't deal with this uh, situation which he's made up. I tell the Klingons, look, I'll tell you what. You don't job me in for uh, hijacking the Enterprise. I won't job you in for uh, any homophobic attack. Uh, uh, I tell Scotty to tail back it back to K7. I get into the transport, get myself back home, go down to the Winchester until this all blows over. And I can confirm everything I've had said is 100% true. And uh, uh, for keeping going uh, throughout the faction, um, you gain an extra point and an extra point for confirming that it's crazy. So, um, as we uh, get to the uh, halfway point, I notice that it seems to be um, both Adele and Sean or neck and neck for second place with Dan slightly in the lead uh, and Ian trailing uh, ever so slightly behind. Um, Moving on, I think we're going to go again, uh, and we still appear to have an audience, which is impressive. Normally, people have walked out by this time. So, <laughs> the, sure. the, the text didn't do it. <laughs> Sean, would yeah. you mind regaling us about the time <clears throat> as the doctor's companion? All right. So, it was a, a Tuesday, and I was just leaving uh, the pub. And sometimes, you know, you think I'm going to walk home from the pub and nature fails you. And by that, I mean uh, your bladder. And I needed somewhere quiet, uh, out of the way to relieve myself. I'm not going to do it in the street. I'm not an animal. Um, so I, I went down uh, an oh, alleyway. I'm just wondering uh, why during this moment uh, Sean was actually completely naked. Well, it was my birthday and uh, it had got pretty wild. Um, and this is how drunk I was. Anyway, so, so I'm leaning against this thing absolutely naked, um, leaning against it, having a win. Then the door falls open. I, you know. I'm rolling in, um, absolutely naked, and and then standing over me is uh, these uh, very angry Scottish uh, eyebrows, um, and also uh, a, a younger-looking gentleman uh, in glasses. Uh, um, this, this 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 blonde. Basically, it was a multi-doctor uh, moment, and they were all there. And I was there in front of them. It was very embarrassing. Um, luckily, the fourth doctor lent me his scarf so I could wrap that round and kind of drape it over. Um, Dr. Squid. Ed, Ed, I, 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 you know, you said there that all the doctors were there, Sean. Uh, I'm just wondering if Sean was going to, to mention uh, the 14th doctor who was there, Joe Pasquale. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the 14th, 14th Doctor, funnily enough, was the one I ended up going on the adventures with. So, um, because all the other ones were like, oh, oh, this is really embarrassing. Uh, they, they, they kind of foisted me off on the 14th Doctor. 
and um, and Job Squally Doctor. Oh, uh, we Ed. Um, I think that Sean should also include about the fact that weeing on a TARDIS um, with all its hue on energy um, gave it a, a passageway to areas it should maybe not be. And therefore he's been glowing from his crotch ever since, which made stealth work pretty difficult. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, first of all, um, this, I mean, you've never seen the TARDIS swimming pool. Uh, and you know, I, I I jumped in that. I did a bit more of a wee because you know when you're in the water. Uh, so so yeah, you're right. Uh, it was embarrassing because we ended up on on the Dalek planet of Scaro, and we were sneaking about, and um, like the doctor was like, "Be quiet, be quiet," uh, and then my my groin. Be quiet, be quiet. Yeah, yeah, which, which you know, be quiet, be quiet. Uh, and then my groin was was glowing, um, like a, an iridescent kind of green colour. Um, and the Daleks just honed in on that. Um, and you're wondering why at this point, because uh, I've been with the, the, the Doctor for at least uh 16 months at this point, why I still hadn't put clothes on. And I suppose the answer is, um, just look at uh, the older companions. They were also wearing the same clothes. Uh, so I was wearing no clothes. And uh, the Daleks were like, uh, exterminate, exterminate. Um, but seconds left. then I did another wee. And and that got in the ice stalks. Um, they, you know, they rust very easily, and and we were able to run away. Uh, oh, Dr. Squeak. I believe Ed that at the point point where he weed on the dark, there was some transference, and he grew a plunger out of a interesting part of his body. <laughs> yes. Please well, tell us about your uh, physical transformation. Well, I did grow uh, a plunger out of an interesting part of my body, but I can assure you that uh, later Natasha Romanoff had no complaints. <laughs> um, plunge me, Sean, plunge me. Thankfully, thankfully, the klaxon, yeah. that klaxon means that this particular section has It's all ended, about suction. Uh, which is yeah. also the siren that goes off at the BBC when we violate copyright. Yes, sure. uh, I do not want that letter from the Terry Nation estate. Um, <laughs> but regardless, that was entirely true. Um, Thank you very much for that, um, that, that, that very true and uh, thrilling regalement of why you sit awkwardly every time we meet you. It's true. Adele, could you please... <laughs> Well, this um, is a good start, yeah, isn't well, it? Please remind us about uh, remind your fellow scholars of the time that you sold uh, beloved fantasy author Neil Gaiman for two goldfish. Well, I'm going to start this by saying that this was all a big misunderstanding, and I didn't actually, I didn't sell him. It's just that I did sell him. Um, so. A bit ago, I started to understand a little bit more about this kind of uh, swapping currency and the fact that I have a thing, 
you have a thing. Maybe you want my thing and I'm happy to take your thing for my thing. Um, and oddly enough, starts with a goldfish as well. Um, I just had this like really weird goldfish biro, um, but it was like quite old. Um, the, the goldfish on the end was like pretty fun. I was wondering if uh, Del was going to mention that this goldfish pen was made out of a real goldfish. Yes, tell us well, about the goldfish pen. I wasn't, I was going to try and avoid talking about that because it's like not very ethical. Um, but yes, so it was a biro that had goldfish on the end, which made actually maintaining the gold, the, the biro pretty difficult because you have to keep the water and the little bit that the goldfish was in pretty um, and the genetic modification to get it to a place where you can have biro attachments like took a while but this person was like I really like your biro um, I would like to swap it for uh, this car that I have but I had no need for a car but essentially I was like I can probably get a lot more with a car than this goldfish man Um, I think Dell is missing out a very important detail. Um, this was actually the same point where Cardi B arrived to battle Dell for the supremacy of being the actual Queen Bee. Oh, yeah. So you'd think that what's really important here is, is knowing who Cardi B is, but actually you can follow the story without that information. Um, so I've got this car now um, and the bees are still knocking around, um, but it's fine. The car is big enough to accommodate me and the bees. Um, but then, yeah, Cardi B appears. And when I'm on my way for the next swap, because someone else has been like, I'll swap your car for my timeshare. And I was like, oh, timeshare is pretty nice. Um, so I'm driving this car over and Cardi B uh, just appears and starts trying to like ram my car um, a bit like the, the drag race in Greece. And I'm like, whoa, um, this is highly illegal. Um, either that or one of us was driving on the wrong side of the road and I just saw aggression that wasn't there. Um, but the bees, yeah, the bees aren't happy about any of this. They're seeing things that they're like, mm. so they've also worked out that if enough of them sit on the button and push down, um, they can open the window. So they're straight in Cardi B's car. Luckily, not a bad crash, but just she ended up in a bit of a ditch and couldn't get out of the ditch. And so it caused her um, some inconvenience, but she was, she was perfectly fine. I'm just wondering if, uh, if Ed, that uh, Del would uh, tell us a bit about the hit single, which this inspired Cardi B's Car B Jam. Oh, yeah. For a, good, for a moment there, I thought you were going to talk about the uh, wireless appliance protocol. Um, yes. Uh, Del, tell us about the, the song that was inspired by this. So, Cardi B is a, a singer. So, um, so Cardi B from this uh, got inspiration for, uh, because apparently it was a, a poignant moment in her life that changed the way she viewed things. And she wrote a song and said to me, well, I'll tell you what, I quite like this timeshare you'd have. Uh, so I'll swap part of the rights for this song to this timeshare and because of the fact that without all this happening i wouldn't know about any of i, I wouldn't have been inspired to write this song um which later went on to do very very well um so then i'm i then kind of had these rights to this song but one of her exes was like well 
I want the rights to the song. And I was like, mm, I'm not giving them to you because that would be really shady. But then this other person who I didn't realize was a friend of her ex was like, I've got a day with Neil Gaiman that I will swap for the rights to Cardi B's song. And I was like, hi, Cardi B. You know, I really appreciate everything you've done, but I've got the ability to spend a day with Neil Gaiman, who's notoriously difficult to pin down um, because anytime you can, he's signing about 70,000 other people's books. So I'm going to take advantage of it. Have a great time. And yeah, I hope this, this does really well for you. And then... Someone um, else. Was, oh, was there someone just? Um, was there an interject? Right so oh, right. Well, I, I can confirm that the story you didn't get to hear was a hundred percent true. <laughs> uh, I can confirm that uh, as the klaxon was going off, and um, it's very quiet klaxon. Uh, it's it's went um, is um, yes, uh, you get a good bonus point. So. Marvellous. And um, the thing is, is every single thing you're watching and hearing, dear listener, is the truth. You can research it on the internet. And as we know, the internet never lies. Ever. So, uh, on that subject, Dan, uh, talking about uh, 100% true things. Um, could you remind us about the time that you ended up blowing up the Death Star? Ah, okay. So I dabble in, you know, intergalactic space wars. It just happens, you know, you you follow a pretty lady into a bar. Next thing you know, you're, you know, a fighter pilot in an intergalactic war that's been going on for hundreds of years. Um, so I follow this young lady. She's 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 very nice, very polite. And she goes, do you want to shoot some aliens? I'm like, yeah, why not? I've got nothing else on today, so I'm not busy. I've got a free, I've got a free, free time. Um, so we go. She takes me to this training place. She's like, you know how sure. to handle this, don't you? This I mean, spacecraft. Ed, um, I know Dan is, uh, but what he has left out, and I think it is important because actions have consequences. That even though he went off to war, he said he wasn't busy, but who was going to attend the farm next rotation and, uh, and, the, and the effects that that had back on the farmstead? Dan, tell us about the difficulty of managing a moisture farm whilst also fighting intergalactic wars. Um, well, it's, it's, it's hard to have two vacations going on at one time. You're part-time this, you're part-time that. You know, people would say, oh, you're a part-timer in this war. You're a part-timer at this moisture evaporator stuff. I'm like, yeah, stay out of my business. Um, I do have some some elderly aunts and uncles that, that kind of work on the farm as well. Um, quite, They've become quite elderly now that they're just uh, a pair of burning skeletons in the hot sun. Um, so I, they don't really they don't really do much anymore, I'll be honest. Um so they need a little help, um, and I kind of—I'll be honest—I've—I've I've let go to it's gone—it's gone all perfect. I, 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 intergalactic war is so much more exciting, and you know, there's not much in the farm going on. It's not much, not not very exciting. There's a few sand crawlers, a few gangsters. 
Well, I mean, I, I was going to wait until he go a bit further into it, but um, I'm just wondering, Ed, when he's going to bring up the fact that uh, the fist which he had cut off uh, the Hulk uh, years earlier, how he ended up using that to destroy the Death Star. Oh, yes. Tell us about the crossover. Well, um, as you know, there was a very opening. It was the only weakness um, in the Star Wars universe. So I thought that's I can't that shot. I don't care. It's, it's not going to happen. As, as, as much as I try, I'm not going to make that shot. So what's the most powerful item in the the all the multiverse where can i find the ultimate implement to destroy this massive not moon definitely not moon uh killer space station and i thought sure you know well uh, the, the thing is uh dan was definitely protesting too much there because Yes, we always talk about the successes. Yes, he blew up the Death Star. But what about that time that he accidentally did blow up a moon that he mistook for the Death Star? Dan, you don't talk about that enough, I find. Well, ugh, yeah, it's, it's a bit awkward. Um, but, you know, I was while I was in the Marvel Universe taking the Hulk's hand, um, I thought... Why not, while I'm there, um, visit Titan, lovely, lovely moon of Saturn? Um, turns out I arrived and Thanos had killed everybody. So I felt it was, you know, I, I felt I should leave. Ed. And however, what? the Hulk's hand has a mind I of its feel own. like Dan hasn't portrayed that very accurately because everyone had died except S Club 7. Oh, yes. All of S Club 7 survived. How did you cope with that, Dan? Um, I, I, oh, I was somewhat bemused. I will, um... Hang on. I, I, have to, I have to work out the uh, square root of all the points now. One moment. <laughs> sure, do you have an interruption? Uh, yes, I, I was I'll just uh, really just adding to what Dale was and. and thinking uh, Dan needed to also name all of the members of S Group 7. I know so very well. I, I believe as uh, the members yeah. of S Group 7, we could probably bring up how, uh, whereas we know like uh, Thanos only kills half the population, how S Club 7 led to killing the other half. <laughs> Dan, uh, to, to summarise, um, S Club 7, mass so, murder. So I, yeah. Well, I, I I was fairly, like I said, I was bemused. I'm not a fan of S Club 7. Um, I, 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 I do not want to repeat their name. I've sworn on my aunt's and uncle's life I'll never repeat their names um, because I, they are just an evil presence. So when I when I met them, they were rude, they were dismissive, and I said, "Well, you know what? Take this, take this, take this hand, and go, go on, go and sort yourself out because I'm not put your jacksy for all I care because I'm not spending any more time with you." 
they so, were a little annoyed by my rudeness. Yeah, um, um, I left, and they couldn't, yeah, they couldn't yeah, get a hold of uh, me. They couldn't touch me. So they take the fist and obliterate the rest of Titan. So, firstly, you have 30 seconds left, Dan, and Dr. Squee, you have an interruption. Well, I mean, Ed, I was just wondering, he said on his Uncle Nant's life, who we've already established were dead, so he's free to name them, I would say. I will name them. I will name my aunt and uncle. That was, uh, my aunt and uncle were uh, Beru and Owen, I believe. We weren't that close. <laughs> <laughs> could be could, maybe Jeru. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> anyway, uh, back to uh, back to my story, the completely true story. Now, after the destruction of Titan, the rest of Titan by the, the tyrannical S Club Seven, um, you know, they're, they're kind of more of a terrorist group now than a pop group, um, intergalactic terrorist group, and that's their name. Um, and I, it, somehow, the Hulk's hand, as powerful as it is found its way back to me at the exact moment I needed it to destroy the Death Star. And I didn't have to put it down any little hole. I just I just sent it on its merry way and just crashed through several times, doing this kind of motion throughout the entire thing. And eventually, um, so many holes just blew up. And a bonus point for Dan for talking as the uh, timer ran out and the collection time. Um, I'm really glad all of this is true because otherwise yeah. we'd yeah. be so sued. Why, Dan Yeah, yeah, but it's all true, so they can't come back about you know it's, it's, anything. It's, it's, you know, I, well, we all know that Star Wars is a famous documentary. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, this is who, all totally who canon. Complain, uh, Doctor hmm. Squee. Long time uh, ago, uh, galaxy far away. The galaxy. Exactly, and they have different libel laws over there. Um, uh, Doctor Squeak, I um, please <laughs> tell me, uh, tell the gathered scholars uh, around us about the time that you accidentally kidnapped um, beloved uh, star David Tennant. Well, first of all, Ed, thank you for correctly identifying that I accidentally. Uh, kidnapped David Tennant. God knows after you've uh, recorded a mere 300 episodes of a Doctor Who podcast, convincing the police that you accidentally kidnapped him is no mean feat, it turns out. Look, me and my friend were taking an innocent drive. He's a bit light sensitive, so we're in his panel van with the blacked out windows to help his eyesight. Uh, we stopped by by, uh, uh, by Beach and Dorset, uh, where it just so happened they were filming uh, Broadchurch at the time. And we stopped, slid back the panel band doors. Uh, David Tennant's coming towards us. Now, uh, he's been eating his favorite uh, snack on a set, which is chips with uh, curry sauce. And I merely offered him a handkerchief to wipe his mouth with. Now, is it my fault that I accidentally picked up the handkerchief, which I like to keep my chloroform on? It was a mistake. So, of course, I drag him into the van to lie him down on the back so he could recover himself. Uh, worried that he might have a fit, I do tape together his hands and feet with some duct tape, which happened to be in there. Innocent. Ed, I think Dr. Squee is leaving out the fact that Olivia Col Coleman noticed all of this. 
Yeah, um, and by the way, you get an extra point for talking just for a minute and a point for the interruption. Uh, yes, explain the Olivia Coleman thing. Yeah, I mean, Olivia Coleman's looking and she's screaming, David, David, no, because obviously, like me, she's worried for his health, worried that he might have a fit. So, of course, I'm taping him up extra just to make sure she's happy. I slide the door shut just, you know, because my friend's eyes, you know, the light sensitivity. Unfortunately, he sees that as signal to go. And we end up driving to a nearby warehouse, which he happens to have rented. So I I drag, so take uh, David Tennant out of the van to, to, to put him there. Uh, Ed? Yes. Um, again, Dr. Squeeze forgotten to mention that at this exact point, David Mitchell, Olivia Coleman's star from co-star from Peep Show, turned up and at this exact moment declared his unrequited love for her. Yes, uh, Dr. Squeeze, explain to us the trouble of two Davids at one time. Well, yeah, because we were about to drive off and suddenly I saw David Mitchell uh, driving, like, you know, coming up and running onto the beach to declare his unrequited love before we get into the uh, warehouse. So I, I get my friend to stop the van, as, you know, of course, I was trying to anyway. And then David Mitchell's there going, oh, Olivia, I love you. I love you. Um, so uh, I'm worried for Olivia Coleman. I, to be honest with you, I was starting to worry that David Mitchell was a stalker because, you know, you can't be too careful with these people. Here am I innocently with David Ten uh, taped up in the back of this van, and I see D David Mitchell obviously stalking his coaster. So um, I did – I mean, there was a bit of driftwood. I did happen to whack him around the head with just fearing for Olivia Coleman's safety. Sure. I mean, it, I mean, this, this part of the story is very exciting. Uh, but, but Dr. Squee is missing out the point that whilst this was happening, and I think this was such a great thing, because you were worried that when David Tennant woke up, he'd be confused. You wanted to put him in something uh, familiar that he knew, so you actually dressed him up as the 10th Doctor. Oh, yes. yes. I mean, look, is it... I mean, it was a coincidence. I happened to have my David Tennant 10th Doctor costume, the brown screen stripes, not that blue atrocity, and mm -hmm. I, I put him into it. I thought, you know, he might be concerned. Uh, I've just hit David Mitchell around the head. Uh, so it was quite a bit of a balancing act because I'm dragging David Mitchell back to the van because obviously oh. I wanted to see a doctor. Ed. I feel like Dr. Squee is also avoiding the fact that not only did he have his Dr. Tennant costume to dressed to Dr. Tennant, his 10th costume, to dress David Tennant up, that he himself was dressed in his Rose Tyler costume. Oh, yes. Um, please explain me the Rose Tyler costume. Also, you only have 30 seconds left. Well, I mean, why do you think I didn't have the David Tennant costume on? Because I was trying out my Rose Tyler cosplay. Because modern world, hello, I'm sorry, I crossplay. Oh, really? Sure. Uh, well, I also know that Dr. Squee is a big believer in the rule of three. So uh, please explain why David Suchet was there. David Suchet. Well, I mean, again, as coincidence would have it, I happened to have been driving past the set of Poirot earlier in the day. And he, too, looked as if he might have needed some medical assistance. So I dragged him in the van. Yes, I put him in his uh, Poirot outfit, which he wasn't wearing because... He was in between filming because, again, I wanted him to feel comfortable. And plus, once you've got a few Davids on the go, you want to complete a set. So I'm dragging David Mitchell back in. 
I am to have his peep show outfit, which isn't that distinct, but it's not and stuff. And uh, I think it's in there, and I can confirm, of course, everything is absolutely true. And with the uh, jolly sound of the sirens, which I'm assuming is not the police this time around, um, uh, congratulations, everyone, for a successful and entirely true uh, session of Outrageous Lives. Uh, I'm just doing the uh, calculations now, and I believe I've, I've hired the, um, the Forbin project to do the actual science for me. And, um, oh. So, um, the, the good news is that Dell has uh, won. Uh, the bad news is that Skynet has taken over the air with these numbers. So um, I welcome all new uh, digital masters. Uh, and um, I'm now going to go and hide. Um, congratulations, everybody. Um, I think we have, a, we have a tiny, very microsecond amount of time to plug anything that anyone wants to do, but you'll have to be very, very quick. Nope, I think we're running out of time. Uh, so I'm just going to thank all of you for being awesome. And um, anyone watching, uh, you feel free to applaud now. And, Thank uh, you, Dr. Anything you can, people who are watching for this lot. Thanks, guys. And thank you very much to the Outrageous Liars. It was so much fun to do something like that. It just felt like a, a panel show, like, I'm, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, my favourite radio show. My first guest on the Dr. Squeeze show was Tim Brooke Taylor who you know was uh, a part of that show from the very beginning so uh, so wonderful to be able to do that i'd like to thank ed gamble and all our players i'd like to remind you you need to get to the bear.live it launches this monday is the first day of programming and they're actually playing uh, one of my interviews i don't know which but they're going to play it as an example of what we do here along with the other uh, shows which are going to be members of that network and it's just so exciting this thursday BST, 9pm till 11pm. We're going to be going live. I chose that slot so I didn't have to be careful about swearing because I'm so worried I'm going to forget and swear. So I don't need to worry about that. Uh, and I please, please join me. I'm really looking forward to it. So exciting to make this a radio show now. Uh, and we're just going to get bigger and better on this. You know this. Uh, so please join us. And uh, thank you for the outrageous liars. But I have been Dr. Squee and that was my show.